0: I stopped hanging out at bars, I stopped hanging around with them. I started making friends with people who were smarter than me, who had experience in what I wanted to do and what I was trying to learn. I started to read a ton, everything I could get my hands on about business and life, particularly magazines. And probably that, that starting point in that epiphany when I was 28 was the catalyst for putting me where I am today.
1: Welcome to the Life's Valleys and Mountaintops podcast. I am your host, Gina Johnson, a certified life coach. You will find stories here from people around the world sharing some of their most difficult journeys through illnesses, accidents, and trauma. Join me on my mission to create a community where people overcoming belong. We inspire and help one another to rise above our difficulties until we make it to our mountaintop. Let's meet our guest today. Today's episode is about how to overcome poverty and the belief that you don't matter I am talking with Jerry who grew up being the seventh child coming from a family of nine brothers and sisters We will talk about how many of us are taught that we can't achieve We're not worth anything and try to hold on to the little we have afraid to let go and make more Jerry is here to share his personal journey which is a modern American rags to riches story Jerry welcome to the show How are you? Great. Glad you're here with us today. Could you tell us a little bit about what your life like looks like today so that everyone can get to know you?
0: Absolutely. I have a family. I've been married for uh, t- uh, 22 years. Glad I got that right. And I have uh, three kids, uh, 22, uh, 20 and 18, boy, girl, boy. And uh, the interesting thing about them is they all went to Chinese immersion school through the fifth grade, so they speak Chinese uh, fluently. And uh, And, yeah, they're off to... College and doing their things, and so I'm transitioning right now from uh, from being a full time dad to uh, more of a uh, the husband side and 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 playing a bunch of pool, which is what my hobby is. That's the stuff I like to go do to relax. As I go and uh, and I play pool, so that's kind of what I'm doing uh, as of today. Aside from obviously work.
1: Well, that sounds great. On this podcast, we're going to really focus on your journey. We're going to start where it was difficult and then walk through to where things are great today. So could you start by taking us to the moment in time that you consider the worst of your journey? Tell us the story and we will share what you learned.
0: If I were to pick the worst, um, which, when you're living through it, doesn't seem as bad as it is. But upon reflection, I would have to say the worst was a year. And it was the year when I was 13 years old. So I have six older brothers and sisters, and they are less than a year apart. My parents had six kids by the time they were 22 years old. And then seven years later, I came along, and then I have a little brother and a little sister because they didn't want me to be an only child. And so in my 13th year, my older sister died of uh, of an infection in her heart. Uh, and she was most like my mother because she was the next child, next older child. And so she died, if you can believe it, on her 21st birthday uh, in December. And so that was, was you know, an unexpected type of, uh, of an event in my life. And four months later, my right eye started to dim. And into the hospital I went and I had multiple eye surgeries and I went blind in my right eye and almost lost my vision in my left eye. And so I've been blind in my right eye for, uh, ever since I was 14 years old and then have had corrective lenses in my left eye. Um, and so I would say, and I have a, I have lots of stories like that, but I would say, uh, that that year and that particularly six months probably had as much impact on me, uh, as anything. And, and, and later in the year, as I turned 15, is when i really had an epiphany that changed my life i i had gotten beaten up by four guys at a bus station i come back i come again from a very poor background uh, a lot of poverty Uh, A lot of violence fighting was a way of life. And these guys put it to me pretty good. And again, this is the early 80s. Nobody's really paying attention to you like they do today. And so I get on the bus after they rolled me underneath the bench and I woke up, you know, some amount of time later and just sat on the bench. And the bus came and I got on the bus and I got off the bus doing a transfer and I passed out underneath a tree just as I'm recovering. Again, I had blood down my front and they had broken my nose. And I get back on a bus. Now I have a two-mile walk home, and I'm walking. I know exactly. I live here in Portland, Oregon. I know exactly where this happened. I could drive to it right now, and, and and it would be like I was there yesterday. I was holding my nose closed because the top half of my nose was broken, and I was kind of pushing it together. There's no medical insurance. There's no going to the doctor in those days. And I remember thinking, there's nobody going to help me. I am 100% on my own. And either this is as a, as a, a young 15-year-old. Either I do this on my own and either I always take care of myself or or bad things are going to continue to happen. And if I try to count on people, I'm going to continue to get disappointed. So that doesn't mean that I wasn't able to count on people. But from a very bad experience, if you will, uh, as a 15 year old and that whole year kind of all together really shaped who I am today and gave me that independence Uh, Now, along the way, I've seen three murders and three suicides and uh, didn't think I'd live to be 25 years old. But really that one year, if I was to point to one and say, you know, this was probably the worst for me, it certainly was the worst and most memorable because I had this epiphany at the end of it.
1: Yeah, that's a powerful epiphany. I think every little girl experiences that when they finally realize that Disney prince isn't coming to rescue them. Yeah. And it's that like, wow, I really like you said got to take accountability for my own life. Right. But at that time, do you think you realized that that had happened or is that looking back you see that?
0: No, I know that happened. I I I as a 15-year-old, I had been on my little brother and I had had since we were in the first grade to took buses across uh, across the city to go to school and we were latchkey kids meaning that we were left alone and very independent my mother worked two jobs and so we were allowed to come and go as we pleased and so that gave me a sort of street street kid kind of uh, introspection you know you're you're just a little bit more mature or a little bit more experienced than 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 most kids and so that epiphany for me at 15 years old I recognized it right away and I was like okay either this will take me down or I'll not let it take me down and I'll take care of myself. I won't look to others to take care of me. I'll take care of myself. And, and, uh, uh, I've told the story many, many times. And to this day, I remember it like it was yesterday.
1: So before we move into where it gets better, is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners to paint a picture of what it was like in that place?
0: You know, the, the, the interesting thing about growing up poor, uh, like I did is that you don't ever, realize that you grew up poor and as a kid there's there I I grew up with many many kids that again through social media that I'm still um, that I'm still in contact with and and that path that you take is one that so many take in front of you and it's so easy to go drugs and alcohol and get married very early or get pregnant very early and all the mistakes that you can make uh, as a young person particularly when you're a young person that's poor. Uh, for me, uh, I avoided all of those things because of that independence. And so while we're eating government cheese and I stole food until I was 11 years old when I got my first job, I actually got my first job washing dishes at a local restaurant and paid taxes. So I'm one of the youngest people who have paid taxes uh, as an 11-year-old. It wasn't legal, but the, the guy didn't know any better. <laughs> Uh, And so from then on, I paid for all of my food and I hadn't I've never not had a job since then. Um, But so out of those, you know, out of the it's so so easy to fixate on the negative and the negative stands out in your mind much more so than the positive does. So we could do four hours of podcasts and I would regale you with 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 stories that would probably haunt you. Mm -hmm. But. I, I, I while I'm happy to do that, and it's part of my story and it's part of what I am, and it's what I use to inspire people to understand that there's a way out, for me, I really look at it as that source of of strength, that source of independence that I made it. Not only did I do it, but I did it very differently. So um, that's kind of my where I that's kind of the way that I approach looking at all of those kind of horror stories, uh, if you will, particularly relative to 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 kids today. Um, life's pretty easy today relative to what it was in the early 70s
1: out of curiosity do you think the parents that are making everything easy for their kids now is making it harder for those kids to choose not to do drugs or get married young those types of things
0: 100 100 100 i could not agree with that more the the it, you know in it was a different world in my day and the thing that i was most scared of as a child was my mother so my mother ruled with an iron fist, and uh, if you crossed her, you got it, and I got it one time every 10 times I deserved it, but had I not, had she not taken that stick or that whatever it was that was in her hand closer to her to, uh, to, to get us with, I wouldn't be sitting here today, I have no doubt, because there was only one thing in the world that scared me, and that was my mother, and and, and so that kept me, uh, that kept me on the straight and narrow to some extent. We also went to church, and so my mother was very religious, and so we went to church, and I'll tell a really quick story. Uh, as far as church is concerned, I was in a—I uh, hated going to church, particularly as I became a teenager, and I was on the street at late 16, mm-hmm. early 17 years old, so I only went till I was about 15 years old. But those lessons that I learned going to church— came back to help me two different times and they came back and they helped me in the the form of my conscience. On two separate occasions I was in a street fight and I'm 13, 14, 15 years old and just full of testosterone and completely pissed off Maybe I'm a little bit older on, uh, on one of them. Maybe I was 18 or 19. And I have the guy, I've you know, in a street fight, you, nobody ever wins because you're just throwing blows and everybody's getting hit. But this fight was over and this guy's on the ground. And I'm six foot four, 240 pounds. And I have my boot up in the air and I'm ready to bring my boot down on his head. And there was a little voice in my head that told me to stop. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. You've taken this far enough. And so that, that that, uh, discipline that my mother had instilled in me along with all the lessons that I had thought I didn't hear, uh, at church sat on my shoulder and I could hear my mother saying, don't do it. You've gone far enough. And, uh, and it stopped, that happened two times in my life where I'm, I would, you know, I should have been in jail and that's where I would have ended up without a doubt or or dead. And that discipline that she, and that respect that she insisted on only was only of a value was only of a value to me um and I think that we've gotten away from that I'm not advocating for beating on kids but uh discipline goes a long way particularly uh in my experience as a as a a a young male that was out of control
1: oh I have goosebumps and chills going down my spine when you share that how different your life could have been if you didn't have that just at that right time
0: Yes. And I, and I, I recognize that the same as I do, you know, when I was 14 and had that epiphany, I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was, it was that visceral, that voice was sitting on my shoulder, literally not in my head, uh, telling me, don't do it. That's enough. Don't you've won. Don't go any further because now it's going to get real ugly.
1: Well, let's take that with us to the turnaround point of your story. Can you take us to the moment in time, I think you might have already, where you experienced an incredible turnaround and tell us the story?
0: From a work perspective, I've had these two epiphanies in my life that I point to all of the time. So while all this is going on, I I, I was very independent, as I just described, as a child. And then when I was 11, I got my first job. And and that first job fed me. So that first job I made, I don't know, $2.35 an hour. And I, and I took that check that I got on that Saturday afternoon down around the corner to the Sentry store, and I cashed it, and I got it all in ones because it... Uh, It was $17 and some change. And I got it all in ones because on TV, that's what the rich guys did. You know, they kind of flipped through their uh, through their money. And so for me, I was able to then go buy food and eat and maybe go do uh, do do things that I had never done before, never eaten in a restaurant. None of those things because you're just too poor. And so I always equated food and work, work Mm -hmm. and food. And that's why I've never missed a day of work. It's not that I've not been sick. It's just that I've not missed a day of work. So that hard work. Work, as I'm 17 years old living in a flop house with heroin addicts and hookers on the same floor sharing a bathroom trying not to get killed uh, is that what got me out of that was work and so now jump forward I took a job working uh, in a courier company because I locked I like to drive and I was 28 years old and I was sitting there and I ran this courier company for for this person uh, had about 35 employees and and somebody approached me about starting another business and starting a new business and taking what I had learned and, and 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 applying it in a new business. I had no idea what a business was. When I got a mortgage, I bought a house at 22 because that's what I thought you were supposed to do. I had no idea what a mortgage was. I didn't know what an interest rate was. I had no idea what balance sheets and – income statements. I had no sense of what I knew things operationally, but I had no sense about how any of this works. I have zero education. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting there trying to look at this pro forma that these people had sent me to tell me, let's start a new business and we'll give you a part of equity and you run the operations. And here's what we need the business to look like in the first year. And I didn't know what I was looking, looking at. And here I was a guy that knew everything. I was 28 years old. I had people that were twice my age working for me. Nobody could Touch me on this certain type of operational build, uh, business that I was doing. Uh, I was the best in the city at it. And I had an epiphany. As I was sitting in my office, I remember where I was, uh, exactly the way I was facing the whole, uh, you know, every detail I remember. And that epiphany was shut up and listen. Mm -hmm. If you don't shut up and listen, you're going to still be sitting here doing the same thing the same way when you're 50. And I'm 50 this year, as a matter of fact. So for me, that was the second epiphany in my life that really changed my life. I got rid of all of my friends that I had at the time that we hung out at bars and talked about sports and played sports and life revolved around arguing about sports. And, and, you know, that was the majority of my life. I stopped hanging out at bars. I stopped hanging around with them. I started making friends with people who were smarter than me, who had experience in what I wanted to do and what I was trying to learn. I started to read a ton, everything I could get my hands on about business and life, particularly magazines. And probably that, that starting point in that epiphany when I was 28 was the catalyst for putting me where I am today.
1: All right. So for you that are listening, there's some great value that I'm hearing here. They say you are the sum of the five people that you spend your time with. And Jerry knew that he had to leave behind those people that were in the bars or that were playing pool to get to where he is now. Great, Jerry. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So what happened next?
0: So I, I went out on my own with these guys, and uh, they were the financers, and this is where my business education starts. And this is the things that, from a success perspective, that people don't teach you, that I don't think you can learn. You can learn it in a book. You can read the story. Until you experience it, I just don't think that you understand or can, can maneuver through it. And what happened was... Uh, I had no idea. I, I, was, I built this company, and in the first year working for these guys, running the operations, they were the financing side, I brought in $3 million in revenue, which is an insane amount of revenue for a first-year business, uh, and they didn't have the money they had they said they had. So when you're growing a $3 million business, it's very difficult uh, cash flow wise to do that in the early stages. Well, I had no idea what any of that meant. I thought if I just went out and sold, uh, you know, that would take care of itself. Well, it turns out they didn't have enough money and they came in because they didn't have enough money, came in and took over the company a year later in February and fired me. And so here I was now sitting fired. But remember, I don't count on anybody. I'm very independent. Nothing's going to stop me. You're going to roll me underneath of a underneath of a bus uh, stop. That's fine. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to figure it out. And so those lessons just repeat throughout my life. And this was just another one. So what I did is I went to my five biggest customers. They were all banks, and I said to the banks, "Hey, I know I just moved you from one place that I was to another one. I need to do it again." I told them the truth. Here's why. And here's what I need you to do. I need you to prepay me for the work to finance my business. That's unheard of. Yeah. You know, Nobody's ever done that before. They looked at me like I had a, a bullet hole in my head. <laughs> but what I had with them, they respected the work I did. They knew how good the work was, and I was cashing that in. And I was counting on that. And I remember that I did it over two days. It was five lunches, and I went five for five with banks. You know, The tightest people in the world, I got to prepay me to start my business back up. So the rest is kind of history from that perspective. I started that up. I had 72, 71, 72 employees on the first day. We started in the middle of February. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary. We did 3 million the first year. We did 6 million the second year. We did 10 million the third year. We did 14 million the fourth year. And we were off and running.
1: (laughs) I bet you your, your previous employer was kicking himself after that.
0: Yeah, that's that's the 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 kind of uh, mistakes people make, I suppose. Uh, I mean, I have some of those too. We all do, but uh yeah, I'm sure they probably are.
1: Love the grace and the humbleness that you have in there. Oh, we're going to move into taking a closer look at your story. What about you changed the most through this life experience?
0: As you get older, when I was young as I talked about and I was helping uh, the owner of this company run the operations, which means I was in charge of everything. I had people, as I said, that were twice my age. So I'm 25 and they're 50 years old. And they used to tell me something uh, that that I that I just I, I hated I hated to hear it. And that was that you don't know anything till you're 40. And I thought, how can that be? I'm 25 years old. You guys are working for me. Right. That ma- That makes no sense at all whatsoever. I know everything about this. And let me tell you, there is one certainty in life as a 50-year-old person now, and there's one thing I believe 100% is that you don't know anything until you're 40. And what that means is not that you can't have experience and not be good at one thing or know a lot about many things. You just haven't lived enough. You haven't filled up that hard drive, if you will. You know, when you're 30, your hard drive's only so full, and when you're 40, the experience of life comes all the way around so that when things happen to you from the outside, you're able to go access different parts of different experiences that you've had at a much deeper level than you were when you were 30 years old. And with all of the experience that I had, I mean, I was an adult essentially when I was, you know, a preteen uh, operating on my own. It, even with all of that breadth and all of that wealth of experience i wasn't mature enough until my mid 30s to appreciate it and it really didn't start to hit home till i'm not going to say it was on my 40th birthday but you know about the time you get 38 39 40 41 42 that's when the maturity for at least for me came and and all of that information coalesced and and the success i've had from 40 years old to 50 years old uh, dwarfs what I did from zero to, to 40 years old.
1: That's incredible. And looking back at your story, do you think you would have been an entrepreneur if it wasn't for having been let go from the company that you were with?
0: Um, no way. Yeah. That, that that, there's, it just wouldn't have happened. I didn't, (laughs) the funny thing is, and this is my message uh, in many ways. I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. I don't know that I'd ever heard that word. I, you know, I, I didn't, a businessman to me was, uh, you know, uh, Darren on Bewitched coming home and saying, honey, I'm home and carrying his briefcase, right, or the Brady Bunch and and the father coming home and wearing his suit and carrying a briefcase. To me, that was a businessman. I, that was about the extent of my experience with anything uh, economically related. And so uh, it, until I was thrown into the fire, if you will, I knew the operations. And so starting that business with those folks, uh, was something that I was able to do. I didn't know the other side of it, and had they not fired me, I would have never had to learn it. Uh, I, at least, you know, the, looking back on it now, it certainly was a trial by fire, but it also was a trial by fire of me doing things that I didn't think I was that was possible. If you had asked me a year before that I would be going and sitting in front of the, the heads of these giant banks, and they're all banks we would recognize, and getting them to prepay me something they've never <laughs> done i would have laughed at you it would have never happened but when i was placed in that position and i had all these people working for me and i had this opportunity in front of me i didn't hesitate and i took it and that uh you know those are the critical pieces that happen to you in life uh or at least in 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 business and in growing my career
1: i love how you share this i think it was your social media that you were talking about how gary v said that you're born an entrepreneur was that right
0: Yes, yeah, so yeah, so I disagreed wholeheartedly with that.
1: Yeah, and your story is such a good illustration of that because the people listening to this show often have come from jobs and now they're sick or something's happened, and they think, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur. And I've had people tell me, oh, well, you know, Gary V said it's something that you're born with, and I thought you just nailed that right on the head.
0: Yeah, I couldn't disagree with that. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I disagree with a lot of things that the common – business culture and the common business advice uh will give you and along those lines and along uh, gary vee and there's others i don't agree with follow your passion and do what you love uh, it's just not been my experience mike's i didn't grow up wanting to be in charge of transportation companies and then i own commercial real estate and i do bi- uh, develop uh, housing developments I, I, i've had gas stations and car washes and convenience stores i didn't want to do any of that i wanted to be a race car driver you know Mm -hmm. i I didn't want to do any of these things so for me i i take advantage of opportunities if you're looking at your passions and you're only zeroed in on hey i like to grow roses this is what i'm going to go do meanwhile opportunity after opportunity after opportunity walks past you but your head is down growing roses to me that's a much more difficult way to achieve success if that's what your goal is uh and to achieve success than it is following that one simple passion. So I say, look for those opportunities, take advantage of those opportunities as they come and then go follow your passion. And for me, that's been 100% true. I have have a car passion and so I have lots of cars and and motorcycles and all of those things. And I've been able to follow that, what I'm truly passionate about, because what I've done, taking advantage of opportunities as they presented themselves to me uh, through my career.
1: Love it, words of wisdom. Can you share with us one personal habit that you have gained from this experience?
0: You know, there there's many that contribute to my success, I would say. Um, and, and for me, the, there's, there, there's the simple ones. I go to the gym in the morning. That's important. And when I can't go to the gym, two th- when, I, when I don't go to the gym, two things suffer. I'm not as sharp, uh, and my diet isn't as good. And when I go to the gym, it's simple math. Uh, right? I did all that work. My diet has to be good because I'm not going to waste away all that work I did in the morning. And so going to the gym is probably the, my answer to that question, just boilerplate right off the top. But more, I think, on a deeper level for me is I learned about responsibility and, and how important it is to lead. Uh, and my mother always says I'm the rock that everybody crashes against, meaning when everybody else is burning down, somebody has to be strong. And so I don't get excited, I don't get mad, I don't, I, I you know, in a, in a crisis, uh, I'm the one that you can talk to. I'm the one that you can look to and say, okay, everything's going to be okay because he's calm. And that's so valuable. I, I, I work in a very volatile business, and sometimes it's so busy, it's just insane. And, and, and I don't know why we do it. It's so nuts. Um, but you just have to take one step at a time. You just have to take care of one problem at a time. And where you, when you want to freak out, there's this voice of calm right behind you that's telling you it's all right. Just take care of that one thing. I'll take care of the other things. Now take care of the next thing. I'll take care of the other things that that habit, if you will, or that 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 thing that I've learned, which is leadership, but is more than leadership. It's 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 the ability to 100 percent stay calm and keep everybody else calm has probably been the most valuable. So I would say work wise would be that and then really going to the gym from a life perspective.
1: Alright. Can you share with us a resource, like a podcast or a book that you really credit for being where you are today?
0: Um, it's simple. Forbes and Fortune. So when I was 28 years old, I needed to learn everything I could about business. I knew nothing, as I said. And I got books by business leaders, and, and I like all of them, and Warren Buffett, and everything that everybody else has read. Uh, but in particular for me, it was Forbes and Fortune. I didn't know what they were, and I got a subscription when I was 29 years old. I've not missed one since. And it's taught me a ton about business and terms I didn't understand. And then when the Internet showed up, I was able to look up those terms and get a better understanding of what they were. And I really learned how business operated and what words meant relative to business, what references were relative to business from from uh, reading those two magazines. So that's where I point people all of the time. I've got a brand-new Fortune and a brand-new Forbes sitting on my desk, uh, which I will devour as quickly as I can, and that's been kind of my go-to for uh, you know, since I was 29 years old. There's other magazines, Inc. magazines and things like that that probably better serve smaller businesses. Um, you know, we're not hundreds of millions of dollars, but I found that 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 the education I needed to get came out of those two magazines.
1: Excellent. Normally right now we'd move into the grand finale, but I feel led to just ask you instead, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you?
0: No, I think the, the story of my life you know, what What? What I try to get out uh, in, in doing these podcasts and doing my own podcast and my own Instagram is I'm just about so much so we're told. And when I was told this when I was a kid, and I think it's worth today, that we are uh, limited by other people. We're limited by the government and we're limited by the rich people and we're limited by banks and all of these things that place limits on us, which is really, in my opinion, just grabs for power but it keeps you down and you're like, well, I can't get anywhere and I can't. It's not my fault that I'm here stuck at this job, it's the government's fault or it's the city's fault or you know, it's my parents' fault or it's somebody else's fault. And what I try to get across uh, in this, and I'm not selling anything, I don't have a seminar, it's just me talking to as many people as I can, that I came from this abject poverty. I had no idea about anything. I was 17 years old living by myself on the streets. I didn't know what, like I said, mortgage or business, or I I had no expectations for living. Uh, Forget about being successful, but I knew how to work. And my message is that it's not easy. It's not simple. You can't get there uh, overnight. It takes decades, and you have to dedicate yourself to it. But hard work does pay off. And for me, that's the message, really, if I haven't worked that in yet, and maybe I jumped ahead to what the finale is, but... For me, that's what I want people to just understand. It's not guaranteed, but it's possible. And as soon as you think that there's, I did a pod, I did a, a, an Instagram thing here recently. Uh, I was in Africa. Uh, and so I'm, I, I feel a, 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 a kinship to Africa. I've been there twice in the last couple of years. And uh, I was watching a show on television, and here's this guy picking up these fish, and he's putting the fish on his head out of this boat through this dirty water, and he's moving it up to this big pile. And this is his life eight hours a day, just unloading these ships with fish that he's in a basket on his head. It's 120 degrees and, you know, 100% humidity. And I'm like, well, how bad do I have it? How bad is this life? How much did my you know, mother yell at me when I was a kid or my father abandoned me? And all of those issues that are legitimate. But I always keep that perspective of what is truly legitimate. And at least I'm not over there doing that, having to live through a life like that in just extreme poverty, the likes that we never have to experience here. And so for me, that's the that's kind of the message I want to I want to put out there. Uh, and that's kind of the reason that I do all these podcasts.
1: Jerry, we are at the end. I want to thank you so much for your time. What's good about your life right now, and where can people find you on the web?
0: People can find me at uh, jerrybrazy.com. Uh, my Instagram is uh, the Jerry Brazy Podcast or Jerry Brazy. Of course, the website's uh, the Jerry Brazy Podcast or Jerry Brazy. And really, my Instagram, my Facebook, YouTube, you can find me. We do videos, we record all of our stuff, and uh, you can find me there. And it's really about life and business so we talk about uh, uh all of those kind of things combined and success and a bunch of these stories we make jokes about it when we uh, on the podcast whenever I say when I was a kid you know it needs to be a drinking game because <laughs> lots of the podcasts start off with me saying when I was a kid but that's where they could uh, they could Uh, reach out to me. And as of right now, uh, again, perspective for me is everything. I try to stay humble and compared to where I started, I can't complain about where I am. That may be a bit cliche, but it's absolutely true. I, I live that every single day.
1: Welcome back. Hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Jerry has an inspiring story. Go ahead and check him out on social media. Give him a shout out and let him know what you liked about today's episode. And be sure to subscribe so that you will receive future episodes as they are available. Thanks for being a member of our community. Be back again next week with another inspiring interview.